Glory to Jesus. Good morning. Good morning. Do sit down if you'd like to. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your name. I'm just going to go straight into the message because as I asked Daddy God what he wanted me to bring to you this morning, I sensed him say, I want you to remind my children about my precious son's sacrifice for them. Because the thing is that we so often focus on the resurrection of Christ, and rightly so. But before Jesus could rise from the dead, before he could overcome the power of darkness, before he could win the victory for us, before we could be seated with him in heavenly places, he had to go through immense suffering and ultimately become the sacrificial lamb. He had to do that. And as with his birth, his death and resurrection were, sorry, his suffering and death were prophesied several times in the Old Testament. And the thing is that it is as we revisit that place, as we remind ourselves of the price that he had to pay for us, that we fall deeper in love with Jesus. And so this Lenten season, as difficult as this might be to listen to, I'm just going to be obedient and briefly take you through our Lord's journey of suffering and death. The message is entitled, Behold the Lamb, Prophecy Revealed. Shall we pray? Yes, Daddy God, we do this in obedience to your word. And we pray that this will become a revelation knowledge to us. It will mark us. We will be completely transformed, Lord. We will fall deeper in love with you, Jesus. And I pray for the strength, God, that I need to deliver your word. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. So shall we start in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night our Lord was arrested? Jesus knew that his hour had come. He knew that. He knew that he was about to undergo unimaginable suffering. In addition, he knew he who knew no sin knew that the burden of, of carrying every sin of every human being passed present and future was about to be laid upon him and he knew that in the process he would be separated from his father and all of that must have crushed him Matthew 26 38 records his words my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death stay here and keep watch with me Centuries before that, all of this had been prophesied. Isaiah in chapter 53, 3 said, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. That was true throughout Jesus' ministry, 
And it was certainly true at this point. And in chapter 53, 10 to 11, Isaiah continued, but the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many as he will bear their sins. Back to the Garden of Gethsemane. Our Lord had a decision to make. He knew that the destiny of the whole world lay on his shoulders, that salvation would be won or lost, depending on his response. He could have said no, he could have walked away, and that would have made him no less God. But listen to what he said in Matthew 26, 39, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. However, not my will, but yours be done. In spite of his anguish, he surrendered to the will of Father. And in so doing, he defeated, he had the victory over Satan right there. Matthew 27, 67 tells us that once arrested after being betrayed by Judas, our Lord's beard was plucked. He was spat on, punched repeatedly, first by his own countrymen as he faced the Jewish leaders and later by Pilate's Roman soldiers at the trial. His precious blood would have poured out with every punch. Spitting on someone's face was and continues to be a sign of contempt, of scorn, and here we see the face of the creator of the universe being spat on, not once, not twice, but several times by numerous people. Spit mingled with his precious blood. Oh God. This had been prophesied in Isaiah 56 7. I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheek to those who pulled out my bed. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. Shall we join the Lord at the weeping post now? We know that the crowds demanded he should be crucified and that Pontius Pilate eventually agreed to that. But before he released our Lord to them, he ordered that he should be severely scourged. What does that mean? It means that our Lord was tied to a post. His clothing was removed and he was beaten with a flagellum. What is that? It's a kind of leather whip with several strands, each of which had a ball of lead at the tip, plus sharp metal hooks attached. This was designed by the Romans to shred the person's flesh and to rupture his blood vessels. Isaiah had prophesied in chapter 50 to 14, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness. Our Lord's precious body 
was so mutilated, he couldn't be recognized. As a young girl, I actually used to be very upset with Pilate. If he had finally decided to hunt Jesus to be crucified anyway, why did he have to subject him to such cruel scourging first? However, Isaiah had prophesied all of this and given the reasons for this in chapter 53, 4, 5. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his wounds, by his stripes, we were healed. Behold the Lamb of God, I beg you. And as you behold him, may you fall deeper in love with him. Glory to Jesus. You might think that the scourging, the Romans, you might think that after the scourging, the Roman soldiers would have given him a break, but no. They wanted to inflict even more pain. They put a crown of thorns on his head and then bashed it in. They continued to spit at him and to mock him. John 19, 16 to 18 records that our Lord then had to carry that heavy, rough wooden cross on his flesh that had been torn open by the scourging. The beating would have caused him to lose a lot of blood. He would have been very weak, in unimaginable pain and near the point of death. It is no surprise he was unable to carry the cross all the way to Calvary. And as he was paraded through Via Dolorosa, more and more people would have had the opportunity to witness his shame, his humiliation, his pain. And throughout all of this, he allowed them to torture him. And he said not a word. Now to the cross. Crucifixion was practiced by the Romans as a form of torture and capital punishment. It was designed to produce a slow death with excruciating pain and suffering. Our Lord's hands and feet could simply have been tied to the cross, but no, spikes were driven into them instead. And how many times might the cross have fallen to the ground with our Lord nailed to it as they made attempts to lift the cross up? Science tells us about the gruesome processes that take place inside the organs of a person as he hangs on the cross, something I won't go into. But our Lord went through it all. Jesus himself had prophesied this in John 3, 4, 10, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And David had prophesied in Psalm 22, 13 to 18. Like lions, they opened their jaws against me, roaring and tearing into their prey. 
My life is poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax melting within me. My strength has dried up like sun-baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. My enemies stare at me and gloat. They divide my garments among themselves and throw dice for my clothing. This might make you uncomfortable, but this was our Lord's reality. His experience before he could rise triumphantly from the grave. Please behold the Lamb of God. Behold his love and his sacrifice for you. And as you do, allow him to overwhelm you with love for him because he's worthy. Oh, I can see. Someone might ask, so why did our our Lord have to endure all that he suffered? We find the answer in the divine exchange. He who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21, meaning that we have been made right with God a holy God through Christ. Our Lord was punished so we could be forgiven. So when God looks at us, he doesn't see our sins. He sees the righteousness of Christ. Glory to God. Secondly, our Lord was separated from his Father as he carried our sin on the cross so we could be accepted by Daddy God. Matthew 27, Ephesians 1. Remember the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom when Christ breathed his last breath, signifying direct access to Father. We are reconciled with Daddy God. We can enter into his presence boldly, without guilt, without shame. We can nurture intimacy with him because of the sacrifice of Jesus Our Lord was made a curse so that we could receive God's blessing. Galatians 3. He was beaten and wounded so that we might be healed in body, soul, and spirit. Isaiah 53, 4, 1 Peter 2. He bore shame so that we might share his glory. Hebrew 12, John 17. The King of kings and the Lord of lords came down from heaven and laid down his life so that we might have abundant, eternal life. John 10, 10, Romans 6, 32. The thing is that Daddy God loves us and wants us so much. And yet sin separated us from a holy God. Only by taking sin upon himself could Jesus, the one without sin, completely defeat sin death and the devil. Only then could God have the relationship with us that he so desires. 
So Jesus did it. He breached the gap between God and man. It also means he won the victory for us and that we are his bride. Do behold the Lamb of God. While our Lord hung on the cross, darkness fell in the middle of the day. Even the sun bowed down and worshipped the creator as he died for us, his creation. And at the point when he took his last breath, the rocks split as the earth quaked. Creation was acknowledging its maker. May we bow down and acknowledge him. May we love, worship, and adore him with all our hearts, with all our souls, with all our minds, with all our strengths. Because he is worthy. Oh, in closing, instead of inviting you to make corporate declarations as I normally do, may I invite you to take a moment to reflect to have a one-to-one with your Savior, Jesus Christ, to do business with him. Wherever you are in your spiritual walk, allow him to touch your heart more deeply, to mark you for himself. May I encourage you to respond to him. Behold, the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God.